Hello, welcome to another episode of the Pioneer Podcast. I'm Tanning Grace. As always, I'm joined by Ross. Ross, how are you doing? I'm doing well today. I had a couple of good nights of sleep, so I'm not tired. Yeah, I was to say, you seem well rested today. Yeah. No, I it was it was actually Monday night. I got a really good night's sleep. We're recording this on a Wednesday evening. But Monday I just it's probably the best night's sleep I've had in like six months. And it, I'm sure you know, you'll agree in saying that having a really good night's sleep is one of life's great simple pleasures. Yeah, I, I actually really enjoy sleep, like a lot, right? Like so much that when I wake up, I'm like, man, I can't wait to do that again. You know, like I'm looking forward to the next one or whatever. But um, I think I've mentioned this before. Like it kind of sucks. I don't, I used to be like a really heavy sleeper and I could sleep for like 12 hours and stuff. You know, it was probably more of a benefit. I mean, a benefit, a byproduct of, me having no regular sleep schedule was kind of all over the place, but now I'm such a light sleeper. I do not get enough of it when I want to, you know, I, I, if my wife gets up before me or my dog does, I kind of wake up now and stuff. And, um, I actually slept pretty hard and pretty long last night because I actually, uh, I don't know if hurt myself is the correct way to put it, but I, um, I had a rough night last night and so, (laughs) Whenever I was done with something, I, I go into the living room and my wife's like, you know, she was about to be ready to be, you know, done and we could, you know, go lay down for bed or whatever. And I wanted like, you ever have like, you know, you, you crave, you're like, I just want something sweet. I want a piece of chocolate, something like some kind of dessert, you know, like whatever. Right. And I had eaten pretty good all day, I, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I'm going to go get a little handful of like M&Ms or something. You know, we have like a packet of uh, my my mom recently bought me, I think it was like for Easter, just one of those giant family size bags of peanut butter M&Ms, which are like nowhere near the best ones, but they're not bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, well, they're close to the best ones because the best ones are peanut M&Ms. And that's not debatable. Yeah. So you yeah only the yellow bag is the best bag. Uh, have you had the almond ones yet? I remember we talked about those ones. I have not ones. had almond M&Ms. There's a million very good. kinds now. Like I remember when it, you know, when I was a kid, it used to just be plain M&Ms and peanut M&Ms. And peanut M&Ms. And yeah. they introduced crispy M&Ms in, oh, about 2000, two, about 2000. I think I was in seventh grade. And like you know, that was a big deal. And but now there's just like 15 different kinds of M&Ms. It's weird to me. I can't keep track of them all. Side tangent, real quick. Have I ever told you that I don't trust Skittles now? Did you? I just did won't you just eat Skittles. Eat a skid a, a Skittle that you thought was going to be an M&M or an M&M no, you thought I, was going to be Skittles. S- close. I remember I was at like a party or something once, and you know they had like candy out or whatever, and I just grabbed a handful of Skittles because like Skittles is a, about where I draw the line. On, I don't like I don't like sour stuff. I don't like really sweet stuff. I don't like tang stuff very much. You know what I mean? Like I can have a little bit of it. I don't like a lot of it. And Skittles are about right where I draw the line. I was like, this is fine. And so I'm I really wish somebody either had a camera on me or saw this because I just grab a handful of it, put the Skittles in my mouth, start to chew, and they're sour Skittles. Have you ever had sour Skittles? I think I have. They are very sour, yeah, right? They have, they have that like coating on them. Like that's what, yeah. how you can tell they're, they're it's almost like white and powder. I. Wasn't paying attention oh, to yeah. every day. I just picked it up, yeah. And my reaction was like visceral. You know what I mean? I'm just like literally just ripping the Skittles out of my mouth. I'm like doing the, you know, the bleh thing where like, you like you, your tongue comes out and they just like roll out of your... It was so gross. And I was just like, I just went over to the trash. It looked like I was about to puke, right? Anyway, so what I was getting at last night, Wait, I hold, just wanted like... Hold, hold on, I, because I have, sure. a, I have an add-on to this anecdote. Do you remember uh, Sour Mega Warheads? I know of them. I would never eat okay, them. Okay, so you've never yeah. had them. So yeah, I, of course not. Uh, there was I, a, I like myself. There was in my a, taste buds. Well, 
I would eat them as a kid, as would my siblings. My wife likes sour stuff, yeah. so it's... Yeah. And one time we managed to convince my mom to try one by telling her, like, it's actually not very sour. And, you know, she eventually she eventually relented and had one. And her reaction was similar, visceral disgust. But I, lo- I love sour, so... I was, like, waiting for something on top. I was like, was that it? Are we done? <laughs> um, yeah, so you know kind of what I'm talking about. But anyway, so what I was trying to get at last night is... Um, so. And I didn't even have a lot of them. I literally got a, like, not even a handful. I was reaching and grabbed, and I got like four or five, which is not a lot because MMs are pretty small, right? And I did the typical, like, you know, the, the image of someone popping sunflower seeds into their mouth? You know, they have like the whole handful and they kind of just like open their mouth and they just kind of like jot the, the sunflower seeds into their mouth. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I did that. Well, one of the MMs perfectly went all the way back into my mouth and into my throat. And so I start choking, Bullseye. like legit choking. Right, and I freak out until your body's reaction is you try to swallow. So I start swallowing a whole M and M, so I can feel it like going down my throat. Right, and my wife had been doing something on her computer, and she doesn't have her headphones. She doesn't have her uh, hearing aids in, so I can't just be like, because I can talk a little bit. I can't just be like, hey, like I need help or whatever. So I have to like flag her down, and she's like, oh my god, what's going on? And I kind of like sign to her real quick. I, I will say this: she, she was actually recognized like, sign for choking. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the sign for choking is actually just your, you know, someone choking. <laughs> like, you know, it's like I'm putting two hands to my throat. Um, but I was just like, yeah, I'm having a problem. And she could see it. I'm sure I was like beat red or whatever, you know, because I'm like my my airway is like, you know, kind of clogged. I mean, I'm in. I will say this. That shit hurts. Like the amount of pain that was coming from this, I did not expect. Right. Because I just have a full piece of something lodged in my throat. And um she said she was actually kind of impressed with how calm I kept through the whole thing. And I'm like, yeah, panicking doesn't help. I try to, I was like trying to like not freak out. But the problem is, is like inadvertently I'm trying to swallow. So I'm pushing it further in, right? While she's like, no, keep coughing. Like try to get it out. So I just start coughing and I'm like swallowing and it's all hurting. I'm like over the sink. Like I look like I'm puking, right? I'm like over the sink, like try to figure it out. Eventually I get to the point where I swallow it enough that like I feel it finally go like all the way down. But I had to feel it dryly go down my thing the whole way. And this took a good solid three to like probably like three minutes. Right. But feels way, way longer while it's going on because I'm in pain. Immensely uncomfortable. Yeah. And you would have loved being around me afterwards. I could barely talk. I sounded like I smoked a pack a day for 60 years. You know, like I I sounded like uh, was it the grandma on Simpsons or whatever? Oh, uh, yeah. uh, Jacqueline Bouvier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why that popped in my head, but that mental image did. But I, you know, I was like, "Hey, kids!" It's not like I had a uh, a, tr- a tracheotomy kind of thing. You know, it was like really bad. I could barely talk, and it hurt real bad. But it was just funny because, like, I, you know, after I got done with the sink, I turned around. I was like, "Okay, I think I'm okay, and I can drink some water." And I turned around, and I didn't realize it, but I just have like tears like streaming down my face. You know, <laughs> so I just look like a real hot mess or whatever. So um, right now, I'm starting to feel a lot better. But I'm like, I slept really hard when I woke up this morning. I was just like. I, I felt like hungover or something. I don't know if that was part of it, but like, I don't know. It just, it just sucked. It like just hurt. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know. It was weird. Maybe I'm just a pansy. I don't know. Maybe you're like, just old. That is, that's a fact. Yeah. That's not something we need to actually debate. There's no might about it. I am just old. It also might be some effects of that pack a day, 60 year cigarette habit you have. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've literally never smoked a cigarette in my entire life. Like I never even tried it, but I did. I'm sure it was heinous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so I actively tried to start smoking cigarettes, like a very intelligent human being, and they was they were what? so disgusting. I, I, I never did. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, 
I don't know how to even react to this because just I, it's just something with the way I've seen you uh like make decisions and like come to it uh you know what i mean like the way i've seen your decisionary like go down the tree that you go through or like your just your decision making as a whole yeah how did you come to this how, how old were you uh so i was i can i can give you i was either 19 or 20 like late late 19 early early 20 because it was my junior year of college why am I not surprised you were younger, but I expected, like, 15 or something. You know, I expected, like, teenage rebellion. Like, by 19, I was pretty self-aware and making better... Like, I'm not gonna say I wasn't... I mean, I did some stupid shit in college, but I was, like, way more self-aware about, like, certain destructive tendencies and self, self-destructive self tendencies and stuff. Yeah, so I didn't, you know, engage in any, uh, you know, drinking or drug use until I was in college, really. So, uh, like, you know, some isolated instances in high school. But for the most part, I was straight-laced and just playing Magic on the weekends. Yeah, it's like... it was. I remember once I, like, uh, you know, showed up way later than my curfew, right? Like, once I got in my car or whatever, right? And I, like, I was out real late like, on a Saturday night. Like, I got home at, like, 1 or something, you know? I was supposed to be home for midnight or something. My mom was mad, and she's like, you know, like, hey, you're grounded or whatever. And I was like, you know, look, I get it. You know, I'm sorry I'm late. I didn't realize what time it was. But, like, I feel like I should get some leniency here. She's like, well, I was like... You know I'm not out drinking or doing drugs or anything. I'm, I'm playing magic, like, with a bunch of other nerds. <laughs> like, like we're never getting in trouble. I just got involved in a game that took forever and didn't realize how late it was, you know? like. So, I don't know. Maybe be a little more lenient on your kids that aren't going to... Because the, the worst part about it was I have an older brother. He's, like, four and a half years older than me, and he got in trouble a lot, like, growing up. You know, he was the, you know... Uh, he's not stupid. He just did stupid shit. You know what I mean? Like, or he was with the wrong crowd at the wrong time. And like, when I say got in trouble, he never like went to jail or anything. You know, he just got in trouble like a typical kid would. So I got the uh, overprotective end. Sure. You know, the yeah, like, the, the overbearing end almost. Yeah. Like to make sure he doesn't make that, that mistake kind of thing. So God, how did all this start? We talked about M&Ms and me choking. And now we're talking about, yeah, God, we're, I don't know. <laughs> uh, just conversation. Don't question great. it, Tannen. Don't try I, to I, question I, the... Any, or find some sort of reason it's just stream of consciousness that's what our that's what our podcast is yeah hey if we ever rebrand that's what we can name it <laughs> our next segment is about various cultivars of apples yeah i was gonna say i have no idea what that was what word you just used but sure <laughs> Type, what was that types Col- of cult- cultivar cultivar i actually Type, don't look types of i apple. have a decent vocabulary and i do not know that word it's a word in botany Okay, I know what botany is, but what, so is cultivar like a group of something? A plant variety that has been produced in cultivation by selective breeding. Yeah, because like most of our fruits and yeah, like stuff the that we eat are banana. Yeah, like like, like the, the banana has been uh, a fungus right now, or fungus or disease. I don't remember specifically, but like the banana as we know it might be going extinct relatively yeah. soon. So they're trying to either find a resistant strain or like you know uh, genetically change it and get to a different kind of banana. Yeah, like, uh, I was going to say, I, I know the banana has gone through so much. Because I actually like bananas. It's like one of the, like, I'm not a huge fruit guy because I don't like sweet and sour. But I like bananas. bananas I really are, like. I don't like bananas. What? They're fine. See, I like, I like a banana plain. I like it on, like, a peanut butter sandwich. I like it in cereal when I can actually drink because there is some milk that I can drink. I just, I. But it just has such a bad texture. See, texture is a big thing for me, but I actually don't mind banana texture. I don't like slimy, gooey stuff. Bananas are kind of can be kind of slimy. What kind of bananas are you eating? 
Yeah, they, they're like when when you know when they're like ten days old or something. No, but like as as you're eating them, you know, and and I don't smear it on my face, Ross. I put it in my mouth yeah. and chew it. And I swallow it. <laughs> and like you're chewing the banana, it gets kind of slimy as you're chewing it. Hey, to everybody listening right now that's got the mental image of me smearing a banana on their face, but let's not put that into um, any kind of physical context because I don't want to get fired by Watsy from the creator program. Zing. I'm not holding back. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. For now, you have to understand that bananas suck. And they don't suck. They're just medi- They're just very mediocre. They're like one of my favorite fruits, if not my favorite they're fruit. They're like in the... They're in the bottom half of the fruit power rankings, dude. It's it's got its own armor. Like it's 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 in copu- That's the one thing I do hate is seeing people sell bananas in any kind of way in something. Like just sell the bananas out. They're fine. It was created by nature to be opened up, and there's something inside of it. It's it's, it's self sustaining. Like I love. Uh, there's there's pictures in this thing that I follow about you know like being more green and like yeah, you know just eating like, plastic packaging. Yeah, and it's like it has like avocados and bananas in plastic packaging, and you're like, what what are you doing? Like that's just not necessary <laughs> with this with this uh with this fruit or vegetable like just mar- just marketing yeah uh I, I gotta ask you this when you go shopping now if you pick up vegetables do you get the stuff that is packaged more often than not packaged now I never get vegetables that are packaged like so you just always get fresh vegetables because I was I was that way and now I find myself buying like if I want like the other day I wanted some broccoli and cauliflower and made it and I got like the bag that has the broccoli and cauliflower in it. Yeah, I just buy them fresh. I just don't, I just don't trust stuff sitting out all day well, in my local grocery store. You can wash it, Tannen. Yeah, I know, but that's like an extra step. I don't want to actually, actually take. Well, you should be taking that step regardless. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, yeah that's the that's the funny thing is I do wipe down the so bag. So it's like the wa- funny part. So you wash it before you use it, and then you cook it, and I'm like, you know, what's gonna, what's gonna happen to you? No, no, you're right. You're I right. It's obviously me being ridiculous. Wrong. I'm obviously being ridiculous, yeah. Ross. You did just watch me eat a raw carrot before we started the show. I did. It was exciting. But did you at least like? Okay, I know you washed it. Did you? Did you? Do you do the uh, peeling at all, or do you just eat it? I almost never peel things. It, it takes a lot of time, and there's a lot of good nutrients in the the skin. D- depending on like how raw the car- carrot is, I think you get what I'm saying. Like, there's some that are like you. You can. I don't know how to explain. What I'm just saying. Anyway, like I actually like uh, peeling carrots, and then if you get the right spices and roast them, I love roasted carrots. Yeah, they can like, be really, they can be really good. But you, it, it can be easier if you want to uh, if you want to like julienne the carrots. Then you just and you square it off to get a nice block to julienne. Then you then like you know, you. Effectively like you're saying shredding is too much work, but you want to julienne your carrots. Like sometimes you need to julienne your carrots. I don't know. It's just it's just funny to me, like how you your thought process. You're like, that's too much work, but this is okay. How is sh- when did I say shredding carrots was too much work? Oh, I got I got that as a. I guess you didn't actually say that. That's how that's what I inferred that you're like, oh, I just never I never shred it. You're like, oh, it's probably too much work for him or something. That's my bad. I said I oh I don't know what you're getting at, but I I don't think I've ever used shredding. <laughs> I don't either, Ross. But I'm not against it. Um, but the if you I mean if you deem to make like a slaw or you're putting them in a salad, a nice julienne carrot is perfect. Mm-hmm. You're probably right. Uh, of course, speaking I'm right. of anyway, speaking and speaking of things that are right, uh, and going to the grocery store and stuff, the uh, mayor just declared that we have to wear masks in my in my parish, which is nice. Sorry, in your what now? Parish. I live in Louisiana. We have parishes. We don't have counties and stuff like that. We have a parish. So you're living in 1732? 
Yeah, we follow the Napoleonic code here, buddy. That was like, well before Napoleon, but okay. You know what I mean. Like, it's just like we're, we do all the stuff weird from everybody. Like, you know, um, I was about to say, I live in East Baton Rouge Parish, or that's where I do most of my stuff is East Baton Rouge Parish, because there's multiple sides. And in fact, part of East Baton Rouge Parish and West Baton Rouge succeeded recently, and they're going to form another parish called St. George Parish. So these parishes have separate, are, are essentially separate municipalities with their own governments? I I don't know the inner workings, but I want to say yes to a certain degree. Does Baton Rouge have like four different mayors right now? No, I think there's only one for all of it. I don't think the that's what I'm saying. I don't think they have their own like governmental structure, but okay. I do think they they might have some of like their own. Because here's the thing: when like the, the St. George thing, I, I'm not a fan. I think it's very racially driven and some other stuff going on. Like we voted against it and stuff. Um, I think that one's going to be like making some decisions that are. Not great, but probably okay in some ways. I don't know. So they do operate independently to some degree. I mean, yeah, of course. So how do, yeah. how do they do that? I, without dude, I don't know. Government structures in place. I don't. Uh, I'm saying it, I. I don't know. I, I don't know the the inner workings of parishes versus cities versus state. But okay, um, I'm saying like you know like the local stuff comes down to like local things. You know what I mean? Like if it you know has to deal with the roads, I'm sure the state goes down to the city and then the city might go to the parish, you know, or whatever. But, but who, I don't think they have- in the parish do they contact? That's what I'm saying. That I don't know. I'm saying that I could look into it. I don't, I don't go Please into local do. politics. You just want to know the local politics of parishes in, in Louisiana? I want to know everything. I, here's the thing. It, how, how do you think people get good at trivia? It's because we're so neurotic that when a question yeah. comes up that we don't know the answer to, we feel compelled to figure it out. Yeah, it's like you're one of those people that when someone makes the joke statement like, do you want me to do the math? And you're like, yes, I'd, I'd love you to do the math. I want to see how you get this answer yeah. and like where the answer comes That's from. That's what I'm here. asking for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And here's the thing. I was taught the same thing in school 17 different times in different grades by different teachers and stuff, but they didn't teach us that stuff. You know, but I remember one of my classes, they wanted us to memorize all the parishes in the state, but they didn't want to teach us how any of it works. You know, I can't remember the third time that I had to read Oh God! Uh, what's that movie? It was animated with Angelina Jolie for the the old movie. Uh, God, Beowulf. I, can't, I you know I read Beowulf like multiple times in grade school. Read it in high school. You know, had a course on it in college, and I was just like, read this four times. Can you teach me how to balance a checkbook, please, or to register to vote? You know, like I mean, you don't really need to be taught how to do. You know what I mean? I'm making. Do you yeah. even have a checkbook? No, of course not. When I was a kid, we did, though. I balanced my mother's checkbook. Just, this is my, because this argument comes up all the time, and everybody like always thinks it's like absurd that schools teach, you know, academic things and don't teach the, you know, every, you know, day-to-day life things. And the reality is, if they had taught us day-to-day life things when we were in school, they would all be completely worthless right now. No, you're right. You're definitely like, right. I, you, know what, you know what day-to-day life skill I got taught in the third grade? How to use a card catalog at the library. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, remember that Dewey Decimal catalogs? System's a bitch. That Dewey Decimal System is is rough, man. You know what the last time I saw a card catalog was? It was in a Reddit post from somebody who had gotten one from their old library the magic and you know rigged it to hold the, their magic collection, which is the best idea I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. I was actually going to bring this up because I was like, I actually want that. I think my wife would appreciate if I had some good-looking thing to put yeah. my magic cards in instead of just like piling them in a the corner somewhere. Yeah, it's like an actual piece of furniture, and you know. Yeah, that's sweet. But, like, you know, what else are they going to teach you how to, like, pay your bills in person? Like, you know, when I was in I was in elementary school in the 90s, and I was in middle school in the very early 2000s, like, you know, r- during the tech boom. But, like, you know, 
it wasn't you, you didn't you weren't doing nearly as much online as you are now. All that stuff yeah. developed over the course of the 2000s and the early part of the 2010s. So that's like, a good point. You know, I got taught how to use every, uh, every single part of, of Microsoft Office in, to a basic degree, like, you know, that competency and, and all of those programs. And now I guess the functionality is pretty similar on all the, the Google Doc stuff, which is just Google's versions of Microsoft Office. I'm like the generation that's just a little bit too old for that. Yeah. Like we, I remember having computer class in, in grade school. But I can't remember any of it because this was, uh, you would go into the room and there'd be like 30 computers at desks, you know, and I'm talking computers, like the big, huge blocks, you know what I'm talking about? Like the, the monitor is like two feet from front to back, you know, just a huge thing. And you had to get your floppy disk out, put it in, and you had to like run, what is it, the C program, whatever, you, and you had to like type in the command and the teacher would like write on the board, like type in this and like this and this. And I remember, DOS. yeah, it ran on DOS or whatever. And Dude, you looked forward to the day that you got to play Oregon Trail. Yeah. And you got to I ford remember, that goddamn river. I remember when the computer lab got put in at my elementary school. Uh, you know, I was in like third or fourth grade. So this is... You know, yeah, we already had one. So we were a little ahead there. Did you go to private or public school? Public. I I'm sure there yeah, were a couple of computers around. But like this was like a, a full room with like 25 of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what we had. Um, I went to a private school, so maybe we got funding for it a little sooner than y'all did. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, um, I don't know. It, know it, got, uh, it got put in, you know, I, I remember, like, I, I think, I, oh, no, no, I was in the second grade. That was it. I was in the second grade. So this would have been, oh, 96, 97 school year. I was about to graduate from grade school. Yeah. <laughs> Graduated in 99. <laughs> uh, so it was... Uh, yeah, it was great. We play. It was what was the game that we we all tried to beat? It was like Veggie Tales. It was put out by the, the by the you. Oh, so like yeah. See, we didn't have color screens. Yeah, like everything was like still black and white looking. And yeah, this was stuff on like Windows ninety five machines. I think. Yeah. Oh, we Windows was not a thing yet. Yeah. When I was learning this stuff, um, like here it's a kind of like frame of reference. Like the first times I started playing fantasy baseball, I think I was, I think it was in high school to like go mess with my roster. Cause I needed the internet. I had to do it at school in the library. Right. Like yeah. I had to go, you know, sign out a computer and do that. Um, texting wasn't a thing until I was college. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it wasn't really a big thing for me until I was in college either. Facebook started to become popular. My senior, I think senior year or freshman year of college ish. Because I remember, because I could get one right away. Because originally, you uh, had the to have Facebook, a .edu email address. Yeah, the Facebook. You had to sign in with a .edu. You had to have a college uh, yeah. email. I, mean, I remember because th that was a big thing. Is like somehow some high schoolers found a way around it, or they could get there early and stuff. And they were like, "Yeah, we're on Facebook." And it was cool. And like, you know, hey, are you in? Are you in my top five? Am I in your top five? Back with uh, <laughs> MySpace, which I think my page might still exist somewhere. I have no idea how to check that. I'm sure, it exists somewhere. It never goes away, Tanner. Yeah, nothing on the internet goes away, Ross. Thank um, God. My but. point is that this idea that like it's the school's job to teach you these like basic life skills, uh, as opposed to just giving you a skill base that will allow you to adapt to an ever changing world, is complete nonsense. Uh, because like you know, one of the examples you threw out, like why aren't you teaching me how to register to vote? When I moved to Virginia, you know what I did? I Googled, how do I register to vote? Yeah. And then I figured it out. So, do you think we should just be teaching kids how to use search engines correctly? Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. Way? We should teach yeah. that. And I, I yeah. was taught that when I was in I school. I, I, was, I was not. That was a lesson that we had 
And, you know, we should be teaching kids how to read for media bias. We should be, uh, you know, do, doing a lot of those. Uh, I agree. Things. But like, you know, ac you know, literature analysis and learning history and, and, you know, learning mathematical reasoning are all very valuable skills to have and apply to a I wide range of, of situations. So those are the kinds of things that you should be learning in, in school because those are things that are going to be relevant regardless of how the, the, the world changes. So and like, I got to say, when I did go to the DMV to register to vote and get a Virginia ID, I came with the exact necessary forms of identification that I needed. And the person at the front of the line was very happy that I did because apparently that is not very common. They probably have to send a lot of people back. And yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people that, like, you know, don't have the necessary forms of identification. And that's, a you know, a separate issue. Uh, but, like, if you just kind of show up without, it like, looking at, you know, what's required and then you're mad that, like, they've wasted your time. Like, who really wasted whose time there? Uh, it was it was very simple. You know, took me, you know, the better part of an afternoon. I had to wait in the DMV for a bit. But, like, it was not very hard to figure out. Yeah, I, I could see myself having that job. And people getting mad at you, like, well, how was I supposed to know that? I'd be like, you know what? I really have no idea. If only there were some search type thing on the internet that operated like an engine to where you could type in a question and it would tell you the answer to said question. And if only you had some device that you carried around with you at all times and looked at at all times that could also give you this answer. And we could have not had this conversation. That would make my day a lot better. <laughs> I would be like the Gregory House of like, yeah, you know, doing that job. So, an asshole. Yes. <laughs> Just but, not in pain physically all the time, please. I don't want to develop a Vicodin addiction, but... Yeah. But we 100% we should stop teaching kids to memorize every parish in Louisiana. Because who gives a flying fuck about that? Exactly. You know, all the stuff that we can just easily look up, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to be... You really don't need to be quizzing kids on state capitals anymore. Like, do you need to know the capital of every state? No. You know? I, I mean, I could tell you a few... Um, Not many. I can tell you all of them, but like I, I know you can tell. I know you can tell me all of them, yeah, Ross. I'm that's aware. Just who I am, you know. Yeah. But like you, you don't, you know. It's not that isn't to say that this like base knowledge is all completely useless. Often, it you know it just makes your life easier to have you know that stuff committed to memory. But it's we need to you know get away from focusing on rote memorization and instead you know teach you know actual skills and teach. Uh, you know, you know, instead of just like, uh, I want to bring it up to math because it often comes down to this when like they try to teach, when they try to change math education and teach to be, make it more concept oriented, every single, there's like armies of parents that are like, this is so stupid. Why don't they just teach them the same way I do it? And it's like, well, everyone in the United States or the United States as a whole is really, really fucking bad at math. And it's probably because we learn these things in a very bad way. And yeah, you're right. Like once you master the concept, doing it that way is the easiest and best way. But it doesn't really show the concept very well. And if you don't understand the concept, it's gonna you know math is only gonna get harder and harder until you stop trying. Because for some reason we've decided that it's perfectly fine for people to just say I'm bad at math. And it's not even th those people's faults because like they're just kind of left behind by a, a horrible school system that doesn't serve them. Um, but you know. Like if their if their parents would you know take a second and realize the deficiencies in their own education and try to fix that for their children's education, I think it would be a lot easier. Yeah, I definitely agree. Do you think we should talk about magic? Maybe I don't know. Aren't we the education policy and reform podcast? Um, I'm probably not the person you want to have. No, no, no. We're, we're the Louisiana Parish podcast. 
with special guest Brian Soko. Yeah, I'm gonna say the champion of the parish. Yes. <laughs> Can't leave him out. No more. There's no more fitting uh, Twitter handle that is also a magic card. Than oh yeah, that it's, one. it's so. one of the best Twitter handles there is, and it's it, not a lot of people. Obviously, like you know, Brian not super well known in the magic community, but like, and that accomplishment probably not that well known in the magic community, but like it just fits on so many levels, and it just works so perfectly. And it, it, it you know, oftentimes you have to like you know massage the wording to make it make the joke fit or something here it's, it literally just straight up works perfectly it's like a fucking glove uh what Ref- ross is referring to is up until very recently until like one of the last SCG events brian was one of the only people to have two uh open championships in the team format yeah i guess there's a, a good chunk of them now right beating no there's there's one other team right the harlan team that won back to back or whatever I think they're the only other ones that have won two, right? Uh, Corey Baumeister's also won two team opens. Has he really? Yeah, it wasn't. He he won one his like first open after he moved to Roanoke, and then he won one earlier this year. Okay, okay. Well, and I think for a while, for for Pete well over a year, teams? I think Pete was on both those teams too. Yeah, for well over a year, they were they were the only ones. Yeah, and it was only two of them. It was him and Jonathan Job. Yeah, because they had a different third in each of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for a while, and uh, they did beat us for one of those as well. Still stings. We played them in both of the tournaments. They won. We did indeed. Uh, anyway, so that's kind of like starting Magic Talk. Uh, sorry, we're filling a little extra time because uh, some of the results that we're going to go over this weekend didn't actually happen because uh, one of the Pioneer tournaments this weekend didn't fire. And I know you woke up really early to play in that. So, so um, I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'll I'll make a confession here. Okay, you didn't wake up in time. I had planned to play the tournament, <laughs> and I tweeted out the night before that I was going to play the tournament. I woke I I checked early because I woke up early enough yeah. to watch. I checked. I woke up at 9.03, and I was so like, would not fuck, I it. can't play the tournament. It was a 9 a.m. tournament. And I went on Twitter to give my, like, you know, apology tweet and figure out what, you know, when I was going to stream. And I saw uh, a post about it not firing, and I was like, getting off scot-free now. <laughs> but I've been racked with guilt for days and feel the need to come clean. Well, I'm glad you chose, you chose now and, and us. Yeah. To to make this confession, Ross, I'm glad that you feel this is a safe space in which you you, you can you can share this. So yeah, I I got away with one there, but the, yeah, you're, the Sunday challenge just didn't fire, which as far as I'm aware is the first major pioneer event on MTGO to not fire due to lack of signups. And you know normally that would be something that we would immediately talk about, but prescient as we are, we actually talked about the problems with Pioneer and its declining popularity on last week's show. Because we are very astute individuals with our finger on the pulse of the community. And yeah, I mean, it is a thing that you and I have talked about quite a bit. You know, we've talked about, um, let's just be, you know, upfront and honest here. We talked about possible rebranding of the show until Pioneer becomes more relevant again because it has been hung out too dry. Yes, we are now the Pioneer Sucks podcast, AKA the Parish, the Baton Rouge Parish or Louisiana Parish podcast. <laughs> yes, the well. Brian Vasoko Fan Club podcast. We could also try all the breweries around here. There's a lot of really good breweries here. Like in fact, there's there's one there's one area of the state that's like there's not a ton there, right? You know what I mean? It's just like little you know farms and it's a quaint community. I think is a good way to put it. But they have a brewery there, and the brewery is very famous now. They they make very popular beer, and so is it Abita? It is Abita. It's that actually in Abita. That is the famous brewery in Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah, and you can go there, and there's like a tour that like goes through all this stuff, and there's this really cool place there where you could rent bikes. And you could like you could ride the bikes to all the parts of the tour. I've done this with my wife and some friends and stuff, and it's it's great because at the end you get to the the Abita Brewery and they just give you a bunch of free beer, and then you can buy some stuff too. That's but. the brewery that makes um, uh, Purple Haze, right? 
Purple Haze is a very popular one. And a Gator is really popular. It's like, I think it's 9%. It is, uh, it'll put you on your ass if you drink a lot of it. Uh, they do a lot of other cool ones as well, but Purple Haze is probably one of the more popular ones. It's very, uh, it's, it's very popular down here alongside crawfish. Like when people, you know, have a crawfish boil, they have, you know, purple haze is generally sitting there or some, some form of a beer. I've had idea. purple haze before and I hated it. I remember you telling me you it hated it. I, horrible. I like it for about one, maybe one and a half beers. If I'm drinking beer, I don't drink beer anymore, but I don't, I can't take sweet beer too much, you know, like fruited beer, whatever. It's got a bunch of sugar in it. I, I can't take it too much. The sugar just messes me up. Anyway, there was a Pioneer Challenge that, that happened this weekend, and uh, looking at the results, uh, we can talk about it kind of overall a little bit, but I'm going to tell you my overall arcing thing, and we kind of mentioned this on the show. I think it's time, and I'm ready, though it won't happen because there's no reason for them to do this. I think Inverter's got to go. I, I completely agree, and I made this argument last week when we talked about issues with the format. Uh, you know, It's pretty clear that it is oppressive right now in the metagame, and it actually is one of the decks that gained the most from Corset 2021. If you look at the list, there were you know three or four copies of Jameer Inverter in this top eight. They're all playing Eliminate. And actually, there are some lists that are now going up to three Eliminate and trimming to three Fatal Push. I believe yeah, that exactly. was started by uh, uh, Pete Ingram, who played it in his list in the some other event. It was the Lotus Box. Uh, was, was it the Lotus Box? The Mana Traders yeah. one, yeah. The Mana Traders thing. I actually have some, some notes from I need to check because... I don't think the I took a picture of like a tweet about it. I don't think it was 100% correct, but we could take a look at it and see what was popular there. But it's kind of what you expect. It was just all the really top decks were super popular. But the event was actually not won by Demir Inverter, though the top eight and top 16 and top 32 were all po- you know populated with it. The event was won by uh, is it just the mono red deck? Yeah, it's just a well, well it's, it's four, got four charm in it. It's it's Lurus yeah. Burn. It's literally the deck that was you know doing really well two months ago. Yeah, I couldn't remember if this one. There's there's one similar in the top eight. I got my my mind yeah. you know mixed up with which one was which. But yeah, it's just the the, the Luris deck that we you know come to love. And honestly, I'm not surprised. I thought this deck was one of the ones that could survive the bannings. We talked about it quite a bit. Um, it is basically the only Luris deck that has survived the the companion nerf. Um, I was gonna say we'll see later. That's I I think we're we're gonna talk about the, one of the some of the decks in the in the league. I think the league had a five zero black white uh, Luris deck. You know the the auras deck, but. We haven't seen it do well in a tournament in quite a while, and you're even seeing the meta adjo- adjust to it. Like you're not seeing, you know, as many trial of ambition type effects yeah, and stuff in the format yeah. and stuff anymore. But uh, yeah, this card. I mean, this deck, kind of what you see, what you know, nothing new. But I gotta say, I think we nailed it on the head here, and I think most people saw it coming. Eliminate is showing up to be pretty important in this format. Being able to kill Narset uh, in this format against Demir Inverter is a big deal. You know, Teferi, maybe a little bit less, but important as well. I think the biggest one is Gideon of the Trials. Yeah, Gideon of the Trials. I was going to get to that one. Gideon of the Trials is like, the remember that? Remember when Gideon of the Trials was like, it was like a $6 rare. And then it was like a $45 rare the next week. When someone showed, they're like, oh yeah, this card's good against Demir Inverter. People are like, this is a mythic that's just not sitting around. And I was kind of pissed. I used to have a bunch of them, got rid of them. You know, it's like, ah, it's not going to be anything. Someone offered a couple bucks for me. And I was like, yeah, cool. Well, I missed the boat on that or whatever, but... Um, yeah, just having a nice, easy removal spell to that, where they don't have to clunk their hand up as, and, and drop as much of his hero's downfall, because kind of trading three mana for the card is not always great, and this is a single black, but it also, like, kind of one curve hits the one and two drops out of the red deck, which is really important, because I think that's one of the ways this deck loses, is I've seen a lot of games with this where they don't have a fatal push early, you know, like, their only removal is, like, a hero's downfall, and your opponent just goes, like, 
Monster Swiss Spear one. You're like, well, I'm taking eight from this card before I can even kill it. And Eliminate kind of helps fill that gap and does a lot of heavy lifting here. So it does kind of scare me and worry me when the quote-unquote best deck also got like probably the, one of the best and most impactful cards from M21 and just gets better in the format. So I'm, I'm ready for it to be gone. Yeah. And specifically gets a card that beats one of the most common hate cards for it in the metagame. Because I remember the first time we played with Gideon of the Trials against Demir Inverter on Versus. And I came away so impressed. I was like, this card is such a pain in the ass for Inverter to deal with. And they eventually started, you know, incorporating more and more Heroes Downfalls because they needed to answer these Planeswalkers and then the Ashioks on the sideboard. And now they have a very cheap, efficient answer to Planeswalkers that doubles as cheap, efficient creature removal so that they, they are not going to fall behind to the aggro decks, which is another way to, you know, attack them. It just, it flirts the line, you know, and pull, plays both roles in defending the types of ways that people were attacking Demir Inverter. It's already the most powerful deck and best performing deck in the metagame. It has been consistently dominant for the last three or four weeks, pretty much every week since the companion nerf. And the only reason I can imagine it is not being discussed for a ban is because there are just so few eyes on Pioneer that WotC is like, well, let's just yeah, leave that there kinda, for now. Kind of... We're focusing on other things. And they're doing the format of disservice. Exactly, exactly. And kind of step back on what you're saying a second ago. I remember on one of our episodes, we talked about like, when the Gideon thing started happening and we saw Demir Inverter was one of the fun decks to watch because it was changing every week, right? Like you could see them evolving the deck to like beat the new ways people were, you know, like when they started playing, remember when they were playing four Narset main for a while and stuff like that and they were changing back and forth of like Jace Friend's Prodigy. But the big one was how many heroes downfalls they played. I remember when that first started happening, people played like one or two. I remember on the show, I told you, I was like, I think you should be playing three or four. Yeah, and I you know, that. I kind of got that right. Like, you know, they moved to three they or four, three. and I was like, it's it, yeah, it's it's good in the mirror. Like, it's good in this match. Like, you know, the, just all the common matchups. Like, why wouldn't we want more of this card? And you weren't seeing a lot of aggro decks at that time either. Like, mono, like Luris hadn't gotten printed yet, so like, mono red was kind of on the fringe. The time yeah, hadn't really like moved back. Spirit, which is yeah, it, uh, like blindly aggressive. Yeah, you need to quit that stuff out. The the yawning. No, 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 no. Don't give me any of that. You're gonna kill me over here. But um. Third place, kind of having a little blast from the past. I remember when this was like the deck to play for a while. Niv Mizzet showed up. Um, I was I need to like really comb through this because it's I wouldn't be surprised if it had a new card just because like you know you can just jam whatever my you want. This deck is that it doesn't, and I've looked. Yeah, through. my understanding is it doesn't as well. Um, still, there's I, just I don't even Yorian. know how to like evaluate these deck lists because it's especially the Yorian ones. Like they're so big and there's so many weird one ofs. Like when do you when are we boarding in a War Leader Helix? That one's in the sideboard. When is that happening? Uh, I'm. Dude, I don't know. That, that's is, a real this weird This is the lightning spell that we need against, like, burn decks, I guess. Maybe. I guess it, it does kill, um, it kills Torbrin. I bet that's the reason. There was a good amount of mono the last couple weeks, and it's a good piece of life gain against them that also kills Torbrin. Sure. Okay. That's a good one. That's just smart. That's just good deck building. Speaking of smart and good deck building, there was one other deck I really wanted us to look at. And not only because the deck is cool and I like it, but... Uh, it has some new cards in Fermented One. It has two of them. And uh, you're going to feel really smart when we talk about this one. And I'm going to feel really dumb and eat some crow here. Shannon, I feel really smart all the time. Why? Just because I'm here and talking and it makes you sound and look smarter? Is that is that why you really picked me to do the podcast with you? I mean, th that's... A, well, one, yes <laughs> to the second question. Two, I always feel smart. I just feel smarter when I'm around you. All right. All right. I'll go fuck myself then, I guess. All right. Anyway, um, Phil Helmuth online. Um, oh, oh. On Moto, not not the real Phil Helmuth, but he always says that Phil Helmuth on Moto. Uh, came in with Noted sick. MTGO poker brat. 
Yeah, uh, noted grinder too as well online. Oh, yeah. Just puts up absurd results all the time. Very. I different. feel like he has been in like five of these top eights in the last month and a half. I feel like, like he, three different. Decks. I feel like he top eighted the PT recently as well. The player store. I think he top eighted or like I think he finalsed the player store if I remember right. Um, sure, why not? Yeah. Anyway, the two cards that we're talking about. He also so. climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Sure. All right. Anyway, he yeah. also and went into parachuted down. No, he went into space with uh, SpaceX. He's ah okay yeah. Yeah, he's real good friends, you know, Tesla over there. He's like, hey, what's up? I want to go. They're like, all right, cool. But he, he made it back down in time. The internet's really good up there. You know, wireless is really yeah, good. Yeah, they're right next to the satellite. Yeah, it's SpaceX, yeah. right? Yeah, he's probably got a better connection. He's never timed out. Anyway, yeah, he played Blue-White Spirit. They actually have Google Fiber there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would. <laughs> Just the rope all the way up. Anyway, uh, he played Blue-White Spirits. Uh, the, the card that I really wanted to talk about first, the, the cool card in here that, that's a, a new four of, is Port Town. No, I'm joking. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> Fucking Port Town. But uh, the really cool addition here, and this is something you and I debated on whether the card would be good or not, and you were on the pro side, I was on the con side, is Lofty Denial. There's four of them in this deck. Ross, Ross is fanning himself right now, everybody, because uh, maybe I got this one wrong. Maybe you got this one right. Here's the thing. I, I When I said, I think you're wrong. This is not... A, I'm, you know what? I'm not even going to... Look, I was wrong. You were right when it comes to this. I, I'm not even going to defend myself. This wasn't like, a, oh, Ross, I think you're kind of wrong on this one. We had a strong disagreement. Well, I didn't think it would be strong this. enough, but I said I could see it possibly. Yeah, and I was adamant that this card is very okay. good. In fact, I wrote about it this week in Pioneer, and I mentioned this as an obvious, Azorius Spirits as an obvious home for Lofty Denial. I went into some less obvious homes for it, uh, but I'm happy to see it show up here. I think it's great in this deck. I actually think Lofty Denial is good enough that I would rather be Azorius with it than Bant with Collected Company. Yeah. And the more I think about it now, the more I see that it is actually just good. Because more often than not, when you cast this card, it's going to counter a spell. Because here's the thing. If you cast it on turn two, they're not going to have mana up to, to pay for this, right? Uh, same thing on turn three. Most of the time, they're tapping out. And then from then on, you're probably going to have a flyer in play. So this is just mana leak plus, right? And then the more I think about it, how well does this card pair with exactly the card Rattle Chains? Obviously, with other cards as well, but exactly the card Rattle Chains, right? They both cost the same amount of mana, right? Rattle Chains has Flash, so if they don't play something playing around it, it's like the old Cryptic Command thing with Mistbind yeah. Click. Like, which one do you play around? If you if you do play around the wrong one, you're going to get punished the max by the other one. So when you get the Rattle Chains into play, instead of counterspelling something, they play around it. Now all of your spirits have Flash from here on out, and you just get to free roll the rest of the game. So... Uh, you were wrong. I mean, I was wrong. You were right. I'm sleeving this deck up right now. I don't know why I'm sleeving it up, because there's nowhere to play Magic, but if I had to play there's a Pioneer of it tomorrow, I'm playing this deck. You know there's another squeeze here, too, right? What's that? It's it's the Lofty Denial uh, um, Spellcaller squeeze. It's like, do you play your expensive spell and get a Lofty Denial, or do you play your cheap spell and get a quality? Oh, that's actually really good. I didn't even think about that. That's really sweet, too. So, uh, big fan of this deck. It also plays like decks that I like. I know you like this kind of decks as well. Um, another new card in here that's really cool and that I liked and we talked about this. This was on, you know, kind of on my list for showing up was Shacklegeist. Um, this one's really cool. So this list already had four Nebelgast Herald, but Shacklegeist kind of just like puts it over the top for being able to interact with other creature decks, which is something yeah. this deck has had problems with in the past. But I, th I think in this metagame, it's kind of unnecessary. Right. But if, if Shacklegeist is good enough and we could lower our curve a little bit and cut and trim some Nebelgast Heralds. I'm in. I think that's really sweet. Um, I like cutting on selfless spirit. I think it's the weakest spirit. And I really love that they've gone ahead and paired Shackle Guys with Rally of Wings. I felt to bring that up now. So this is a cool synergy combo I didn't think about when I originally 
I remembered Rally of the Wings. So for people who don't know what Rally of the Wings is, um, this is another card from your favorite set of all time, War of the Spark. Uh, it's one in a white. It's an instant. And it says, untap all creatures you control. Creatures you control with flying get plus two, plus two until in turn. So cool combos here, right? Um, it can help protect your spell quellers from removal. Uh, it can kill your opponent as kind of like an overrun type effect. Uh, it lets you block in situations where like you're racing. So you're like attack with all your things. And they're like, all right, attack you back. And you're like, okay, plus two, plus two, untap all my stuff. Or you start to do cool stuff with Shacklegeist. Because Shacklegeist says tap two untapped spirits you control. Target creature you control, uh, target creature you don't control. Sorry, you can tap something. So there's a the cool things of like all the cool tricks you can do here, where like you declare your creatures as attacking, you cast Rally of Wings and tap your stuff, plus two, plus two, and then you're like, tap these, tap that, tap these, tap that. And now you just take all this damage. Yeah, it can create some really swingy combats, and this deck is definitely committed to being more aggressive now that you have Lofty Denial um, to sort of stop the the combos in the format. And the over over the top stuff. So I like the way this deck is built. I would like. I think twenty two lands is kind of light. Um, but I like I like this rally of the wing shackle guys thing going on. I love lofty denial, uh, and I think this is a great home for it. So this is definitely a deck I will be looking to work on. And I have one last note about it, and it's in the side. Oh, can I guess? Well, it's the only weird card. Yeah, I love it. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it is beckon apparition. Yeah card that costs an Orzov mana instant. It says, exile target card from a graveyard. Create a 1-1 white and black spirit creature token with flying. So, for a white mana in this deck, you get to exile the Uro and make a spirit. Which is perfect. It's exactly what you want to be doing. Yeah, pretty good stuff. The fact that it's a spirit is huge, right? I think that's like the main thing that pushes yeah. this card into being good. We're seeing cards like uh, Cling to Dust being very good in the format. And in fact, some of the, some of the decks that did well in this actually had one main. And while this one doesn't cycle like Clean to Dust does in spots where it's not good, um, you're not bringing it in in situations where it's not good. And just a one mana instant that hits an Uro and makes it what's going to be usually a 2-2 two, two, or 3-3 three, three in your deck, huge fan. Um, I like the fact that this one plays a little bit more like Blue-White Flyers has in the past and a little bit like, I know it's a Spirits deck, but it plays a little less than the traditional Spirits decks that we've seen. You know, you're moving away from Collected Company and trying to do stuff like that and more of you're more of a t like pure tempo like flash counterspell type thing because in the like in the past we haven't seen counterspells in this deck because there yeah, weren't spirits has been more of an aggro deck yeah uh straight up and less interactive and this one really is getting into that tempo realm but when you know normally you'd think like rally the wings is more of an aggro card but in a tempo deck it's really nice to have some cards that just close the game because you want to turn the corner, and when you turn the corner, you you, you become an aggro deck. So you want to have some elements of that. So just that little, you know, dash of, of Rally of the Wings at the end as you're seasoning makes a lot of sense. I liked the uh, the nice little uh, analogy there, especially from, from my hometown where we, we just want to season everything, you know, kind of thing. So um, that's kind of it, what we kind of wanted to talk about from the, the Pioneer Challenge, right? Was there anything else? I know yeah, the everything else is pretty typical. Like the, the as we said, the metagame's been pretty stagnant. There's some red aggro decks, there's some there's a bunch of inverter, there's some white devotion, there's some Sultai. You know, we didn't really we didn't see any uh vampires in this uh challenge, which is weird, but like it's one tournament, so whatever. You know, the, the top decks have, have stayed the same. But this is already a spirits deck, I, I think, has a chance to get in there and, and start putting Spellqueller back on the map. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we did want to talk a little bit about... Uh, we we're going to take a look at some of the 5-0 deck lists from like the, the recent deck zone, because we just want to see what else is going on. If there's some cool stuff in there, and what other new cards are showing up in M21. And we did see an exact copy of the Spirits deck that Phil Hummus played. 
to get uh you know into a 5-0 so obviously this deck does have some pretty good chops but one of the ones that i really wanted to talk about because i know this one's near and dear to your heart you have a second place with it in a challenge is the uh dredgeless dredge deck whatever the hell we want to call it but it's the the sultai i just called it sultai dredge yes. and they let me do that in my article yeah. sultai dredge now six months ago the new card that showed up because there's technically multiple new cards in the deck but the new card from mid 21 that showed up is let me make sure i get it right because this is always a mouthful silver smote ghoul and this is one we talked about if 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 this deck was going to come back, there's a chance that this this card has a home. And we talked about it. Like I think one of the things that we talked about possibly holding it back was, does it have enough ways to trigger itself? You know, the three the three life gain to have it to come back. And we're like, oh, it's four creeping chills enough. Well, the person who five would here, um, Alex Fierro, I guess is the name, is the way you pronounce this. They found a little bit extra spice as you were putting it in here to uh, to make sure they hit that three man. What, what was it, Ross? This is abundant maw. Yeah, this is a really sweet Eldrazi creature. <laughs> An eight mana six four with a merge for six and a black and says when you can cast abundant maw target opponent loses three life and you gain three life. So just lightning so, helix is someone, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's just another way to get your ghouls back in addition to creeping chill. I actually I tried a, a very different list of this deck on versus a week or two ago that uh, was using Gonti's machinations as the other way to gain three life and trigger ghoul. Uh, do you remember what that one is? I do not. Remind me. It's a one black enchantment. And says whenever you lose life for the first time each turn, you gain an energy. Then you can pay two energy, sacrifice it to drain your opponent for three life. Okay. And I was playing Ether Hub to help the mana base because the mana base is not great. So you got an Ether Hub, which is nice. And I was playing uh, the the Dark Confidant creature, um, the two one with menace, where you get energy when it enters and attacks. Glint Sleeve Siphoner. Yes, and I was playing Glensleeve Siphoner. Ross, I, I don't need to be the voice of reason here for card names. It's not a good look for me because I'm not good at it. Anyway. <laughs> you know, every 20th show, I, I occasionally need some help. Yeah. So, thank you. So, the, I, I incorporated that kind of energy package to help there. Here we see some Abundant Maws, which is nice because it's a it's a life gain card that you can dig for with your Gather the Packs and your Grizzly Salvages. So, if you really need to return Silver Smoke Ghouls, you can be like, okay, I need the Abundant Maw. Let's, like, jig hard for it. So I like Abundant Maw quite a bit. I like that they still have Decimator. One of the issues I had with my build of the deck was that the energy package took up a lot of space. So you have fewer enablers. I had to cut gather the pack entirely. And you just had no over-the-top card like Decimator. You just couldn't fit. So they're still playing Decimator and Gurmag Angler as the best, you know, creature to emerge with. Uh, you often can, you know, cast your emerge creatures on, like, I guess the best case scenario is you cast it on turn three, but you can frequently do it on turn four. Uh, which is quite nice. So uh, this is really interesting. And I actually, like, when I was looking over the deck, I was surprised. And I thought, like, there's got to be something missing here because they had a, a lot of different elements. I'm like, this is too much space. like, And they're only 60 cards. So, like, what have they cut? And it wasn't uh, readily apparent at first. And then I noticed they have no Narcomibus. Yeah, and that was a strange one for you, right? Like, is that almost sacrilegious yeah. to you at this point? I mean, I am I do worship at the Church of Narcomibus. <laughs> But so uh, I think the idea I think it was that Silver Smoke Ghoul is another way to trigger Amalgam, which is what Narcomoeba is. So that's what the, I think the designer is getting at. But it does give you fewer explosive draws. Like the, you know, the best things that you do are when you get kind of lucky in your first eight draws and you have like a Narcomoeba and two Amalgams, and suddenly you just have seven power. So the I think this means that the high end draws of the deck are uh, less consistent. You can still get them here. But now you have to hit the ghoul, the amalgam, and the, the creeping chill. 
And you kind of have to hit the, you know, you can't hit the creeping shield too early sometimes. Um, so that the high end draws are better. It actually has like the most explosive draws possible, but I think it's not going to get them as often. Uh, but I'm interested in exploring Abundant Maw specifically as a, a secondary enabler for Silver Smoke Ghoul because it fits reasonably well in the deck uh, and, uh, you know, is still like good in the deck too. You just get a ton of reach now, which is one of the reasons I liked Machinations actually. Because between Machinations and Chill, you just had so many lightning bolts. It just went to your opponent's face. You Like I would frequently just deal 12, you know. And then, you, you know, it's really hard for them to stop. Makes you know, it feel damage. more like the modern version of the deck because of the modern version, we would go through its deck so fast, you always got hit by multiple creeping chills. So it makes it yeah. have that effect more often. Yeah, it makes sense. So I, I like Abundant Maw here. I am i don't think you can cut Narcomoeba entirely. I kind of think that the number of Silver Smoke Ghouls is going to end up being less than four. That makes sense. The best number is, is where I'm thinking this is going. Um, and maybe you don't need two Decimators. Maybe one Decimator is good is fine. Because like four big Eldrazi here for emerge is kind of a lot. Um, the one thing I'm I'm not a fan of here is the mana base. I think Zagoth Triome is you know not a tenable card in this deck. You just can't have ETB tap lanes early. Um, and I think traverse the Olvenwald. It's also kind of awkward because it's you know sort of an ETB tap land and forces you to play more basics, which you don't really want to be doing anyway. And this deck doesn't get Delirium that like that easily i guess you have enough so many graveyard enablers you kind of do so maybe it's worthwhile but like you you do have to have all four types and your creeping chills are often exiled so like if you're not if you if presumably you have one of these traverses in your hand this, this list has three gather and two traverse if you have the traverse in your hand you need one of the other four sorceries in your graveyard right for traverse to have any chance of hitting delirium because there's no artifact or enchantment creatures here so it seems difficult yeah. to me for this deck to get to Lyrium. If it was a little bit easier, I would understand this. Um, but I, I think Abundant Maw is a really nice... It's um, a cool, interesting one to find. Innovation yeah, here. definitely like... It's one of those ones when you see it, you're like, this person is so smart. Like, Yeah, they, they I don't know what, what they needed to put into Gatherer to get that to come gain up. Gain three life. I'm jealous that I didn't do it. Yeah, just, it I'm pretty sure I, di I did that search. But there was also another... Sultai Dredgeless that 5 of this league that is quite different. Yeah, they had the full Narc Amiibo, right? They had four Narc Amiibos. They still had four Silver Smoke Ghouls. They're not playing any of the uh, Emerge creatures. Also, yeah, their only way to deal three was Creeping Chill as well, right? No, well, they have a second way to gain three, though. Their secondary way to do it is Uro. They're both four oh, copies right, of Uro. Yeah. So, whether you, you know, however you cast it, you're going to gain three, and you, you, they have this, like, kind of really strong card advantage engine as a result. Uh, and they're also playing four Death Rite Shaman, which can help you accelerate to that. Uh, can also, if you have two Death Rite Shamans, you know, that'll, that can sometimes gain you four life. Um, I am not a huge fan of Uro in this deck because I don't think um, it fits uh, with the the kinds of games that Uro is best in are not the kinds of games that this deck is playing. Okay. Uro, and, and you've seen it play out this way, Uro is at its best in decks that are interacting. Like, it's awesome in Sultai Delirium. That, that's an Uro deck. Because that card advantage and that life gain are all really relevant to those decks. Uh, and to that kind of mid-range strategy. Here, you know, we're try you're trying to use synergies when you're Sultai Dredge to sort of trump what your opponent's doing. And in, in a somewhat aggressive shell. I don't think you're actually going to win a lot of games by drawing a few extra cards. You, I think that'll help a lot in, in like, control matchups. 
but you're still going to be weak to graveyard hate, which is a problem. Like this deck, you know, is even weaker to graveyard hate than most builds of Soul Tide Dredge. I think Uro is also going to be kind of tough to cast. You know, the mana base in this deck hasn't been great. This list has to play the full, like, 20 dual lands, I think, to make the mana work for Uro. Um, and I, I think I would rather build to something that is either extra reach or something like Decimator with the Emerge creatures than I would with Uro. But I'm a little interested in Deathrite Shaman. You know I've I I've tried it in lists like this and generally been unimpressed because it's just not consistent enough. You know I love that card. It doesn't take much to get yeah. me to want to play Deathrite Shaman. I've still got my four that I've always played with from day one. And it, oh, so, so do I. And it's a nice bit of reach again for this deck. So I think that's one that I'm a little interested in, but I'm not sure that there is space for it. Um, but, you know, maybe I'm just wrong, and Uro is just such a powerful card that it doesn't really matter. Yeah, maybe. We'll have to see. Um, another cool, some other cool cards popping up from M21 that have shown up in Pioneer. There is a 5-0 decklist on here from, um, it's just INF is their name. Uh, they were playing, uh, Lotus Breach and they played to see the truth. Now this is a card that I had like tangentially on my list as being, you know, playable in this format. And I thought it would possibly be good. And this was the deck that I kind of like saw it possibly happening in, you know, something where you're tome scouring yourself type thing. It's just kind of. It's there. You can cast it if you need to. It does not do as good a job as some of the other cards in the list. <clears throat> Excuse me that, you know, that you're in there trying to, you know, find pieces of your... It, it's not as good as, like, pour over the pages, you know, at finding the cards you're looking at. It's not as good as strategic planning at finding what you're needing to do and filling up your graveyard. But the incidental advantage that it can kind of add on to Lotus Breach, the fact that it's just there, is nice. Plus, if you have to cast it in a pinch, it's not the worst thing ever. Eh, it's definitely not the worst thing ever, but it's not good. You're not trying to do it. It's not there for you to cast it out of your hand. Yeah, but my issue with the synergy with Underworld Breach specifically is that once you have Underworld Breach, you have access to your graveyard anyway. So, like, drawing three cards, I guess they're already playing four strategic plannings. So, basically, what they're saying is that I would like to play more than four copies of strategic planning. Yeah, I mean... And this card is kind of like... I am not a player of this deck, right? I'm not a connoisseur of this deck. I know how it kills me. I don't know the in and outs of playing every turn with it. And so I'm not going to be one of the ones that says, you know, this is good or this is bad. This is cool. You know, this is where I thought when I was thinking of logically of where it would fit, if something like, is it Phoenix made a comeback? Yeah. Maybe something like that. Right. Um, but this is the deck where I was like out of existing decks. This is the deck that I thought could possibly use this kind of thing. I, I want to play see the truth with Jace Friends Prodigy. Yeah. That, I think those two cards are best friends. They both play the type, the fair interactive game plan that those two cards want to play, and they interact really, really well together. So that's where that's the pairing I want to see. But right now, like if you try to build that deck, it's just Demir Inverter, right? Yeah, I mean, like that's what I was about to say. You know, what makes you want to do that more than the other things and stuff? So, um, but if they if they get rid of Inverter, I could see like a Demir control deck that is built off of that engine. Oh, for sure, hundred percent agree with you. Um, some of the other cards showing up, uh, another M21, very, very small, little spattering. We selling Solemn Summer Lacrum showing up in a spot or two. Not really where I thought it would. It was more of a control deck, you know, with Yorion. It was a one-of in a control deck, come on. Yeah, it's, an, it's, it's a one-of in a control deck with Yorion, but, like, Blinking Solemn seems kind of cool. It is cool. Hey, it's, a, it's an M21 a cool card. card. Now, before we move on, though, there was one more thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, on this 5-0 list, we do have a mono black aggro. I know that you got to you know try out. It has eliminated, it, obviously. I know you had to try out Mono Black Aggro on your stream the other day. And you were trying out some of the new cards, including one of the ones that you and I both had on our list pretty high. Yeah. 
I was trying out Demonic Embrace. Mm-hmm. I almost said Demonic Consultation. That's why I didn't say the name. I knew I was wrong. <laughs> and uh, I got to say, I ultimately left disappointed. Yeah, I'm sad. Uh, I think there, I will say that part of that was due to the matchups we got. I got two Mirrors, which are just really uncommon, and three Sultai uh, Delirium decks, which not only is a bad matchup, it is also like a removal-heavy matchup where you don't really want Embrace. But um, it it just didn't come up that often. It was stranded in my hand sometimes. Um, I think the metagame, it's not, I don't think it's the right metagame for it. There's a lot of just cheap removal decks around, um, and there's a lot of even just like flying blockers. Um, it just didn't play out as well as I had thought it would. Um, and the, the deck was kind of mediocre as well. So I'm kind of off that. My new best friend is Lofty, off to denial. Yeah. In fact, I'm actually um, going to try to convince you whenever the stream's over that your next streams should be the Dredge deck, whatever version you want to try out. And you should probably play the blue-white Azorius deck at some point. And I want to watch. I'm probably going to watch every minute of the uh, the Azorius one. Okay. I'm a big, okay. big fan of those kinds of decks. I imagine I will play some Pioneer on Sunday. Yeah? All right. Well, I'll, I will try to be here Sunday for that. Because I've got the, the SCG Championship Qualifier on Saturday. So I'm playing a bunch of Standard this week to get ready for that. How has your foray into Arena been, by the way? I admit to ask you, because I know you've recently started playing on Arena. It's been annoying. Why is it annoying? Because... I hate having to use an entirely different client just so I can play a third format of fucking Magic the Gathering instead of just being able to play it on MTGO. I would, but nobody plays standard on MTGO, so you can't do it. Well, I'll, even though it's technically, possible. I'll tell you something that your old curmudgeon, curmudgeon self might like. They're they're they both have their problems and their faults. They both can't handle and, tournaments. Well, but it's also just it's not simple at all to get what you need to play on Arena. Like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. In both instances, throwing money at the problem will solve it. But at least on MTGO, you know exactly how much money you need to throw. Also, there's ways you to actually don't it. know how much money you have to throw at it on Arena. You got to like figure it out. It's a fucking puzzle that you need to solve. And so I sat there. I was like, OK, I'm going to play this deck in this tournament. Um, what set should I buy packs of to give me the best chance of opening the right rares and mythics so I don't have to use as many wild cards? And then you just have to cross your fingers and hope you get enough of the right ones. And for some reason, they don't let you use mythic wild cards to get rares. So everybody's bottlenecked on rare wild cards. And you can't just like, it's so fucking stupid and I hate it. It doesn't have to be this complicated tannin. I, I don't know if y'all can hear it over the mic. I'm over here just laughing, giggling my ass off. I'm loving it because I can see Ross's face and he's just so aggravated by it. And like, I don't understand how like the difference in like interface matters so much to people. Like, how is MTGO unwatchable and Arena so aesthetically pleasing? Honestly, I find Arena annoying. Why am I sometimes playing on, like, the base of a fucking volcano? Like, what the, who the, what the fuck? All I hear Why right do now I have is an like, old man yelling at a cloud, you know, get off my lawn. I can, like, barely see how many cards are in my opponent's hand because it, like, curls so much to the top. I can never tell when lands are tapped because they move them about eight degrees. If you did that in paper, your opponent would justifiably yell at you to tell them to turn them the rest of the fucking way. Oh, God, I love it. <laughs> I never know how much time I have. I feel like sometimes they only give me, like, 12 seconds to make a decision. Mm-hmm. 
This is your first instance of a rope, little, too. I forgot about what, that. What What does that little symbol mean next to the hourglass? You've got, like, three of them? Is that, like, rope? Like, how many times you no, can rope that's yourself? Like, it's, like, time extensions. So, like, the, the longer the game you get, you get more time extensions until you're... Like, if you run out of them and then your rope guns, you're dead. You die. It's so you can't just sit there and do nothing. I... I it seemed... Why just give me a fucking clock? I don't know, man. It's so there, simple. I'm sure there was something... Look, here. Hearthstone had the rope. Right? And so, you know, hey, we aren't Hearthstone. It's not a competitor. Yeah, we all know the real answer there. So, come on. I I just don't like it. I don't understand how the difference is so large in terms of aesthetics. But it, I, I understand that it is because, you know, there's a very clear difference in which one people prefer. And there's a clear difference in, like, streaming numbers for most, if not all, streamers. So, like, I understand. I, it's not like I'm trying to say that the like, one is not aesthetically better than the other. But I don't understand why that's such a huge variable for people when one is just so much more of a pain in the fucking ass to use. <laughs> Ross. I much prefer leagues to ladders. Okay. I 100% agree there. If, yeah. if there was some kind What of was your first experience with ladders when you were a kid? It was playing shoots and ladders. That game was frustrating as hell. Ross, I have a general question for you. How do you think you do with change in general? <laughs> phenomenally tannin i don't know if you do <laughs> i i definitely don't i definitely fear and hate change a lot when it comes to certain things certain certain things i'm very welcoming of it i mean if, if arena had all the formats that i play on mtgo and i could just say fuck it i'll i'll you know learn the interface and i'll migrate everything over there i that would also be fine my problem is that it, this isn't change. This is only this is like a half measure of change that still forces me to cling to the old and then, but still play the new. And I just have to do both. So it's not a change. You're not replacing one with the other. It's an it's a supplementation, and you're just making me do more for no reason. Like I have access to cards on Moto. I could play standard decks on Moto, but I'm essentially not allowed because you know so many more people prefer Arena that that's where all the standard happens. So if I ever want to play fucking standard, I have to maintain a full arena collection, which is like impossible to do. I, I do. You got to fucking I, play stupid ass quests every three goddamn days or two days or whenever the hell you want to. My quests today are cast a bunch of green and white spells. I've got two decks right now, Tannen. They're Rakdos and Izzet. Yeah. How am I supposed to cast some fucking green and white spells? You know, you could, can I do the quests playing like bot games with the shitty decks? Yes, but I think so. I don't know. But you know you can roll the quests, right? Like one, once a day you can click on the quest and it'll change. I can roll them? What happens if I get box cars? Do I win? No. You mean roll them over? Yeah, you get to like change. It changes it to another random quest. How do I do that? You click on it. Well, la-dee-da. You learn something new every day, Ross. Apparently. I'll say this. I don't have the same problem uh, on Arena. Some people do work. I'm, I'm Arena rich. Like, I just have everything. You know, and I just have, like, tons. Well, good for you. <laughs> exactly, right? But when Pioneer finally does get ported over, or however they're going to do it, and they add... Uh, they haven't even said how they're going to do it. They're not going to add all the sets, right? I think they're just going to add a bunch of cards, I guess, and then it'll look like a different form of Pioneer, I guess. I'm going to have nothing left because I'm going to build every day. That's even worse. I, I think it's horrible. Yeah. If they do that, I will riot in the streets. Well, maybe not the streets, but on on the internet streets, like on the, the Twitter no, streets. I will go to Renton. <laughs> I will riot on the streets. Speaking of rioting on the internet streets for Wizards, there's one going on on Twitter right now. Have you seen this? I have. Uh, I was going to say, so this is interesting. Um, I'm going to go out and is make it a interesting... What is interesting about it, Tannen? It's just more Watsy bullshit. Okay, that, interesting is not the right word. 
I, I was going to try to go into this and you kind of cut me off. I was going to say, it does lead me to another thing that I have a problem with Watsy. It's just like, the more and more I hear about this magic creator program, and I remember when they first announced it, I, I read through the whole thing and I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know, smaller time magic creators, content creators can get some money, right? Like this is something they could do. And the more and more I read it, I was like, this is not for me, right? And I, I you know, I was like, hey, other people might be able to do this. This is cool, whatever. The more and more I hear about it, the more and all these interactions that I hear about on Twitter, and obviously I'm not going to hear about the cool stuff that's happening as much as I'm going to hear about the negative stuff, but I have not heard a single redeeming thing come out of this yet, and I've seen nothing but bullshit come out of it. Like, did you see the amount of people that got dropped a few weeks ago because they weren't doing their, like, daily quests or whatever on Arena? Like, they dropped loaded, oh, Loading Ready that. Run. What is this, like, creator program supposed to be? I just, I've been ignoring arena things. For I should two have years done more research, great. but it's like this thing. Here's the basis of it that, I, as I understand it, I mean, I'm not going to know everything. But they set aside like some money and some marketing stuff, and they were like, hey, we're going to like, you know, divvy this out to people who qualify for this. Like, everyone apply for it or whatever, right? And a bunch of people qualified and applied for it. And yeah, I'm sure some people are getting some money and getting some cool stuff. The problem is, is like, their ex, like, Wizards' expectations from this have not been met by some people and have immediately dropped them from the program. Also, it's not really what it says it is. This is like magic content creator program. It's like supposed to boost people. Like they mentioned podcasts and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. They don't give a shit about any of that. They want you to push arena and that's it. And if you're not pushing arena, they're showing that they don't care about the stuff, right? And the people they've been removing. We're talking about someone specific today that got removed though. And the reasoning is very, uh, we're going to talk about this. Uh, Elizabeth Eden. For anyone who uh, doesn't know this, is she's a Magic player in Florida. Uh, huge Twitter following. Like, one of the biggest Twitter followings in Magic, if not the biggest Twitter following in Magic. She has... Let me check this real quick. I have it pulled up. 136.2 thousand yeah, followers. That's a lot. Now... That's like more than Kibble. Right. She's a little more famous for her non-Magic stuff than her Magic stuff. And I'm not going to beat her on the bush. She's a little more famous for... She got really famous on Twitch and YouTube for doing videos of herself, like exercising, stretching, and stuff like that. She's a very attractive woman, and uh, now she has an OnlyFans, and that's very popular. Uh, Wizards used that as a reason to kick her out of the content creator program today. Um, And then in their email, because she's posted the email on Twitter, it says, Hello, Elizabeth. It has come to our attention that you have been distributing magic content that is against our code of conduct, including photos featuring adult nudity and sexualized uh, posting. This is a violation of your participation in the magic content creator program and magic sponsored events. As a result, you will be removed from the program in accordance with section three of blah, 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 you know, legalize. Um, she didn't actually do any of that. You know, so that's a problem. Like she never actually sexualized magic. She's never put nudity uh, adult what is this adult nudity so it's like that phrase just baffles my mind but she's never put adult nudity on anything when it comes to magic and stuff and a lot of people are up in arms about this because like this is this is where y'all want to keep driving this this is where you want to fight this is the hill you want to die on whatever you want to say like i'm just baffled by the decision making that's going on it's like just say what it is just say what you really want to say we don't want someone that has an only fans you know promoting our game like yeah. don't don't drum up some 
but they can't come out and say the, the they can't say the quiet part loud, Tannen. Yeah, that that's what pisses me off. Is like, look, if call a spade well, a spade. That's not what that's not what pisses me. Like, I would I would be no less angry if they were upfront about the motivations here, because it's not like the motivations aren't clear to anyone you know who is paying attention. They're hiding behind made up guidelines. Mm. Yeah, that's what they do. Yeah. I don't know. The takeaway me off. here, look, yeah, it should piss you off, but it should it should piss you off regardless of like. You know what veneer they slapped on it, you know, the, uh, to try to you know cover their ass. So, you know, just the fact of what they're doing is shitty because they're kicking out who, someone who you know by all uh, you know measures appears you know by all measure that I can see appears to be a positive member of the community. I was just going to say exactly that. I I don't know. Liz personally. I don't even know if I could call her Liz because it's like, I don't know Elizabeth personally. I have friends that are big fans of hers. They really enjoy her content. You know, I, she's friends with some friends of mine, right? That She plays at one of my friends, LGS's. I have never heard a bad word uttered about this woman. I've only heard positive, especially in this, in this community. She has a cool stream. I've actually hosted her before on Twitch. This um, is not a community where that happens, you know, re- frequently. Yeah, she's super positive and in today's climate and especially in Magic and on Twitter, seeing someone who's always this positive, you know, I why would we want to why would this this seems like the kind of person you would want in something that is literally just marketing for your program. That's that's all this has turned out to be because the content program also just like hijacks your Twitter. Do you know that? They just post stuff on your Twitter of like hashtags and ads and stuff. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, and you don't want the person with 140,000 followers. Like, like I, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, here's the other thing. People, it's a children's card game, right? And they don't want it sexualized. And they don't want her in very skimpy outfits, you know, one post after talking about her 7-0 draft deck, you know, from Arita. I, I, I get that. Have you seen the art in your game? You know, people always joke about what is it, anime boobies and stuff on the on the play mats yeah. and card backs. You don't even need to get into the po- into the hypocrisy though. That's an important point, and well, and we should. But the I get that, like even the I get that is like if you're a parent, like you should be monitoring your kid's internet usage and like deciding what's appropriate, right? And like, the, you know, the idea that you know a woman in mildly revealing clothing is you know incredible like this affront to the sensibilities of impressionable children is i think a cop-out for you know this just not for controlling the sexualization of women's bodies because you know that they are sexualized and then there's you know, at any point, if they try to, you know, embrace that or capitalize yeah, on it in any it, way, yeah. God forbid, suddenly it's, yeah, uh, yes, suddenly then it, it's gone too oh, far. That's, that's a but problem. Watsi is perfectly fine capitalizing on, on it themselves during, in a ton of different artwork. So that, you know, that's when you get into the, into the hypocrisy and it's just complete nonsense. Yeah. Like people have been posting stuff on Twitter. I'm loving this. They're just posting pictures of upcoming magic cards, magic cards in the past of women in suggestive posing, um, Women just very scantily clad. Like my my favorite is every uh, human warrior, right? That's male is always depicted in this full suit of armor. He's got a giant sword. You know, think of like the the legendary creatures. You know, like the generals. They're like you know geared up to the neck. Sometimes with the helmet on. 
But the women, like if you look at like Hero of Bladehold or whatever, right? Their armor is literally like pasties. They have like two pieces of metal right over their breasts and like that's it. The rest of their torso is exposed. But that's not okay. What about an Utabi orangutan? There's literally two monkeys fucking on the card. Right? The, the flavor text of it is suggestive. Like sexually suggestive. But we can't have that. And we can't have that be part of a persona of someone who also endorses the game. When she actually does a very good job of keeping the two separate. To kind of probably avoid this exact problem. It yeah. just it blows and my it, mind. Like, I mean, it... It really should, it, and I think my big takeaway is that this should not be surprising. It's not, and like I, it should be disappointing, but it should not be surprising, even in the wake of you know all of the corporate wokeness that happened in response to the Minneapolis protests, and it, you know I I I didn't I have to say that you know you should never be giving any company the benefit of the doubt. On the on these issues, you know, and they, they all get the benefit of the doubt. And every time, you know, some corporation said something, you know, everybody retweeting like, "Yeah, this is great." And it's like this is really easy and you know, meaningless and performative. And yeah, and like when you when you compare the words that they espouse with the actions that they take, that performativeness becomes very clear. And I, I was going to say this: this feels performative, right? You know, and. I mean, maybe that's wrong, but like you, you take this company, like you said, like, I love that you hit this point, you know, that look how woke we are. They post all this stuff and we're, we're going to be better in the future. Is, is, are these the actions that you were mentioning? Like, is, is this what you're talking about? You're going to, you're going to quote unquote, clean up your game, you know, kind of thing. Like I haven't seen much else happen yet. You know, maybe we should be focusing on the, the bigger social issues at hand instead of worrying about little Timmy seeing a, a suggestive picture on his Twitter yeah, you know, like that's and this kind of stuff happens all the time. Yeah, like you, you like think a, that kid can't find that if they want to see it, like they're, you know what I mean? Like in the, well, I, I, I can only, I, I didn't mean it exactly that way. I meant things like that, you know, a company saying, "Oh, we're going to do better," and then even when they like announce some sort of this, this also goes for governments too. When they announce some sort of program that is meant to, you know, improve race relations, gender relations, and any, you know, uh, standing of a marginalized community. They oftentimes that program itself is a smokescreen that allows the, you know, uh, uh, government or corporate entity to operate behind the scenes and under the guise of progressiveness or progressive policy to just continue to entrench the same things that they want to entrench, whether it's, you know, uh, white supremacy, patriarchy, you know, or just a profit motive for a company. And you know, that's this like, you know, con this creator program is a way for, you know, Watsi to filter out creators that they don't want to support and find ones that they do that will increase their bottom line. And thank you for saying that's that. I think you does. just put into words a lot of what I was like internally feeling and could not project well here because there's also like the cloud of anger that goes on with this that helps like, you know, because like this is very new. We I just saw this a few hours ago right before our show. And, you know, you know, you and I talked about should we even bring this up? And I think that's important to say that's like when you see stuff like this happen, like it's just another measure of control, right? It's just another way that they get just to do whatever they want and steer these things in the way they want to. And it's just like, just let the community do that. Like, let, like she's fine. Like, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm just mad. I need to stop. So. Yeah. 
But like if the, they don't want to let the community, you know, police itself, they're not interested in having any of these things happen if they're going to, you know, not be profitable. Yeah. And it's like, is is this actually going to hurt your profits? Like, I, I, I yeah. can't see how she would ever hurt your profits. Well, that's why they always walk these things back when everybody goes apeshit on Twitter and was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Because they find, they realize that, holy shit, like, you know, we done fucked up. I think that probably what they were hoping for is she would just kind of go silently in, into this good night, but, or gently, sorry. I didn't quote Dylan Thomas correctly. Yeah, it's fine. Do not go gentle into that good night. Yeah, and just the, the level of hypocrisy behind it is what really gets me a lot, too. Like, obviously the unjustness of it is, is the biggest issue here and, and the thing that makes me angry, but, like, everyone is, when everyone immediately, like, their response is, obviously this sucks, but B, you're being a giant hypocrite, like, you should maybe look inward at that point like did you know uh are the kids out of touch no i mean am i out of touch no it's the kids that are out of touch here no it's you like you should be looking at yourself right and there's a reason why your company has been just like practically attacked for the last few months especially with like the black lives matters movement and stuff people talking about the systematic racism that's going on at this company and their card printings or card namings uh the problems with their artists Recently, they've had to fire two artists and say they would never work with them again recently because of problems and stuff like this. Like, there's a lot going on here, and then you want to do this? Like, this is where you want to fight? Like, it, it doesn't make if sense. If enough shit hits the fan, the room gets really hard to clean up. Yeah, that's a that's a really good saying, and I hadn't heard that one. Um, I, I think that we that's should maybe move on because I'm going to get really angry and probably say something really bad and get get myself banned. I mean, there's not a ton more to say other than just calling out the hypocrisy, like you know. So I, we don't need to go, you know, crazy in depth uh, about it. But th my, I just want, I just want people to stop giving the benefit of the doubt to these companies. And this is not to say that like every single person who works at Watsi, you know, doesn't give a shit. There's plenty of people in Watsi that you know that care about these issues and want to see them uh, addressed, uh, but. When you're talking about a corporation or a government entity, those entities exist outside of the rank and file people that, you know, work with within them. And oftentimes it's noble to have this intention of enacting change from within. But the reality is that the system ends up bending it, bending you to it, as opposed to you being able to bend the system. And, you know, that's what's happening here. And it's, it might not even be, you know, it, you know, necessarily a subset of like board members at Watsi or Hasbro or w whatever in their corporate structure, which I know fuck all about. Uh, but some high up, you know, executive, you know, it doesn't need to be just some malicious asshole there who happens to have a lot of power. It's just people who, you know, don't care enough to, uh, you know, take that stand in the face of the obstacles in front of them. And, and sometimes they just don't have the power to do it at, at a low enough level. But at a high enough level, they, you know, there's a lot of people that just say, well, I'm beholden to our shareholders at the, you know, the shareholders meetings and all these people. And if I don't show like profits and I don't do these things, then like I'm not going to have a job. So and it just it, it, they end up making the decision that like, OK, this is the, the way we're going to do it. And now, you know, maybe they're even conflicted about it. I don't know. But, you know. There is just all of this impetus, and in, on the corporate side of things, it's the impetus to increase profits. Um, and uh, honestly, it's, it's similar in the government too, because they're beholden to corporate interests. But it 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 doesn't. It's not this like you know, 
back room, smoky room kind of deals that are going on to keep, you know, the, uh, you know, this bullshit for keep this bullshit happening. You know, it's just a, you know, a bunch of people making the decisions based on the forces that are impressing on them. And a lot of those forces are deleterious for marginalized communities. And we have to understand that and, you know, act against those as much as we possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really well said. Don't have anything to add because you're always better at it. It's kind of meandering, but let's move on. Yeah, you're always better at this than I am. (laughs) There was a mailbag question uh, this week that I think is actually a good question. It's kind of near and dear a little bit to your heart as well as mine. I think it's going to, when it comes to magic, this is actually a magic related question. This is from Jace Kent. Hey, Pioneer cast. Hey, Jace, how you doing? Uh, I had a question about some individual cards in Pioneer. Will it take more one mana spells to make Thing in the Ice a tier one option in Pioneer, or could it be powerful enough in the right shell as the format is now? Also, what are your thoughts about Lightning Bolt being added to Pioneer at some point? I think in one way you answered your own question. I think Lightning Bolt would be a card that actually would push uh, Thing in the Ice into maybe like tier one and better, uh, being better in the format. I do think the answer is just yes. If we had, you know, another decent to good one mana cantrip, which we know the folly of adding cards like that to formats and having cards like Pure Dana Ponder be legal in formats like this. Um, it does make me wonder, and this is one card that I hadn't really considered that you could put into Pioneer, and I think it might be at the level that it's okay, and I might just be way wrong, but it makes me wonder. I started doing the mental exercise and thinking about this card. Is Brainstorm okay? You have Fabled Passage. You know, you have a couple other ways to shuffle your deck, but you're not cracking a fetch every turn, and you can't do it on the first three turns, you know, until you get that fourth land. Would Brainstorm be okay? And I see you making the face. You make the exact same face I do where you're like, the first time you think about it, you're like, maybe? And then you're like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. And then you're like, wait, maybe? No, no, wait. Yeah, I don't, I think there's enough cheap shuffle effects that I would not want to see that. Like, you've got people playing four Fable Passage and like four Traverse the Ovenwald in your Sultai deck, you know, sometimes you can brainstorm and then play Seder Wayfinder and clear the top. It does, I've, I scared shitless of like uh, Lotus Breach playing that. I think is like something that that could possibly be scary. You know, it gets access to, to brainstorm a bunch, and I do think it's probably too powerful. But maybe something similar. You know, something along those lines. Here's the thing: when Pioneer started, I thought Thing in the Ice would be a big card, right? I thought it'd be a big player. I thought Arclight Phoenix would be a big player in the format. It just has not happened. That is not a that is not a thing that's been good. I do think. It has something to do also with the decks that are good in Pioneer, generally, have not been bad at dealing with Thing in the Ice or ignoring it. You know, like, you look at a lot of decks, like, Demir Inverter doesn't really care, right? The Helia deck, like, maybe, right? Lotus Breach laughs at you. Like, they don't care about that card. Some of these control decks don't care. The modern red deck probably can just go way underneath you because you're not bolting them. You know, you're not killing their creatures and stuff as much. And... You knew, uh, you played a lot of Visit Phoenix versus Burn in Modern, that matchup was a toss-up anyway. And you were like a fully powered thing in the ice deck, you know? So, there's no f- there's no free spells, you don't have, like, Phyrexian mana, you don't have, like, you know, uh, what is it, uh, Gutshot, sorry. Manamorphose. Yeah, Manamorphose is a really big one, too. Yeah, you, you hit the three points that I wanted to make about this, you know, right in succession there, and... and... The, whoever asked the question brought up the one was was need more one mana cantrips and that that's step one you definitely need more one mana cantrips that are better than crash through you know you need things that are on the level of opt um, so that that's step one I think uh, 
your point about the decks being good at removing thing in the ice is also important. Generally, I think the key to understanding why that's the case is in modern, uh, in comparison to modern, where you have this balance of power between Lightning Bolt, Fatal Push, and Path Exile. And, you know, the metagame shifts sort of determine which of those uh, sees more play and which see less. That balance doesn't exist in Pioneer, where Fatal Push is the only one of the three that's there. Granted, you do see a lot of Wild Slashes around, but when you're a reactive deck, the difference between Wild Slash and Lightning Bolt is, you know, a lot bigger. So uh, I think reactive decks in general have just been much more successful playing Fatal Push. It also is the, you know, the color that has Thought Seize, which is great in those decks uh, in sort of mid-range uh, archetypes. So Fatal Push in, is more dense within Pioneer, more popular than it is in Modern. And that's a, a big strike against Thing in the Ice. Um, then I think if you're going to be a strictly proactive Thing in the Ice deck, like is it Phoenix, you do need zero mana spells. You need the ability to transform it on turn three. This needs to be something that you, you can do. And that, as far as I'm aware, that requires a three mana spell. Unless... Uh, Unless you, I guess, like, mill yourself with Merfolk Secret Keeper on turn one, play Thing on three, and play... No, even playing Finale on Finale of Promise on turn three would only be three spells. So, yeah, you need some sort of, of free spell. So that's probably not going to happen. And if that's going to be the case, then you're going to need to play a reactive thing in the ice deck. And if you recall, before Is It Phoenix was made, there were versions of Blue Moon that main decked thing in the ice. And that was their primary win condition. And it was quite good in those decks. But in order to make that kind of deck work... Um, You're missing I, way I too much, I think. Yeah, I, I think that kind of deck could work with just like one more cantrip. Can you imagine a, a Demir thing in the ice deck with Heartless Act that lets you transform it on turn three, right? So that's the one card that lets you do it. You have to go Heartless Act, remove the counters, and then play a, another one mana spell, and you get your transformation. Uh, but you probably need another one mana cantrip for that. I mean, you can play Thoughtseize Thought too. Yeah, Thoughtseize is not great in a deck like that because you want to be flush with resources so you can cast your cantrips. Fatal Push, you know, stuff uh, like that. Yeah, and you'd get, you'd get Fatal Push, but you would still play Thoughtseize because it's powerful enough. At this enough point, weren't we playing Inverter? You know, like. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and, that, and that's the thing now is like that deck is just going to be worse than Inverter. So once Inverter is banned, maybe you can explore along that end with just Opt. Uh, maybe you play some Quickens as well. Quicken Thoughtseize you on your draw step. I do love a good quicken. You love a good quicken thoughts. I just yeah. like quicken. So yeah. that that's something you could maybe explore uh, in a post inverter world, but I would want to see another canter before I really lent any credence to that kind of deck. That makes sense to me. This is a really good question. I, I liked the question a lot. Um, Cause here's the thing. You and I both like a good thing in the ice. I think it'd be great that if a deck like that was good in, in pioneer, because I'm missing something like that in this format. I'm hoping maybe the blue-white flyers tempo-ish deck can kind of fill that void because that's that's the kind of magic I enjoy playing and that I have a lot of fun doing. Plus, I don't need to practice it as much. <laughs> it's like kind of my thing, you know? Like, I, I like that. It makes it easier on me. Um, so as you, as you just heard, we just read a question on the show that's from our mailbag section. Uh, how do you get into the mailbag section? You become a patron of the show. If you're a patron of the show, then you get to be... Well, anyone can join the Discord. But if you're a patron, there's a couple sections in there that are just for you. Um, including the Patreon bonus episode section, where uh, I believe that went live this morning. And I was going to joke about it, man. Ross, I feel like I've talked to you a lot in the last week because we've recorded so many episodes. But for anyone who didn't know, um, we, like I said, it went live this morning. We had the Patreon bonus episode go up 
where uh, y'all got to really just direct the show. Uh, we had a bunch of questions come in that led us to talk about those questions in depthly, and then you know some other tangents and Ross rants happened. Obviously, let's be real. Uh, the response to it has been very good so far. Uh, not a lot of time for everybody so far, but overall pretty positive. I like that. We're gonna be doing more of this in the future. And we just decided to let all the patrons in on it. Originally, we were thinking about making some kind of, uh, you know, like only certain tiers got in. It didn't make sense. So everybody that's a patron, if you thought that you didn't have access to it, you do have access to it. So um, if you're listening to this episode, just, hey, queue it up. Let's go. Do the, do the next one right after this. Um, so if you wanted to join that patron, uh, it is at patreon.com slash pioneer uh pioneer cast so make sure you go there again we thank everybody at home that is supporting us through these times we know the times are hard we really appreciate it um it's helping us bring a lot of extra stuff to y'all and when stuff gets a little bit better which hopefully is soon but it's not looking like it is uh we're gonna have some stuff going on you know i think we should try to figure out a way to get the mail out to people relatively soon we could we could figure it out we'll, we'll try we'll see what the the problem is we can't ship it to anyone it's it's not just that the, the health thing it's like what do you put the what do you put the token in to ship to them? You know you can't find top loaders anywhere right now. There there's literally like a black market for top loaders right now. Yeah, I know you have that, but like, what if you had to send out fifty of them, Ross? Are you about to start I mean, counting them? Have to share. Ross is just a stack of top loaders in sand. Anyway, if you wanted to yeah, find a I link to that 12, Discord, man. the link is on our Twitter. We'll, we'll pick our twelve favorite patrons and we'll send it only to yeah, them. Yeah, sure. I, I have a few in mind. Um, you know who you are. But uh, the, the link to our Discord is in our Twitter, and that's at Cast Pioneer. Um, the Twitter's pretty pretty interesting. We do a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, we also made got a bunch of these. Yeah. Oh, uh, those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those might work yeah, too. Check out me derailing the show for no reason. Uh, I, I will say this: you, you definitely want to follow the Twitter if you haven't. Um, this is not a hundred percent guaranteed, but there may be a cool giveaway coming uh, as early as next episode. Okay. Ross and I were working on something behind the scenes. We may have a cool random giveaway to, to happen. For the show, so uh, be on the look for that. And again, that's at Cast Pioneer. But Ross, if you wanted to follow you on Twitter or hear you talk more, or watch your beautiful face a little bit more, where would they go? Well, to follow me on Twitter, you would go to at Ross Hunneds, H-U-N-N-E-D-S. That is the best place to find out about you know any any piece of content. I'm generally tweeting out about it, uh, and a good place to ask me questions about basically any topic. And I do try to get back to people there. Um, then there is, oh, let's say my written content for StarCityGames.com that goes up on, oh, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. This week's episode, as I said earlier in the show, about lofty denial and its potential in Pioneer, reviving flash strategies or tempo strategies. Uh, so if you are excited about, uh, that card or as excited as I am, that'll be a good one to check out. Then there is Versus Live, the show I co-host twice a week with Corey Baumeister. That airs from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, on the Star City Games Twitch channel. We play whatever format we think is most relevant or people are really hyped about. We play the decks that we think people are going to be hyped about or need to be prepared. We take questions live on the air. If you can't catch the show live, you can watch it on the Star City Games YouTube channel. Uh, they usually go up a few days later than the live show. Finally, there is my personal stream, which is twitch.tv slash Ross underscore Miriam. I think that's right. It is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, where I do uh, try to stream a couple times a week, I will certainly be streaming the second Star City Games Championship Qualifier this Saturday, playing some standard. 
I've been playing a bit with VTCLA's Is It Tempo deck, and it's pretty sweet. Yeah, that deck, I saw it, and I uh, I meant to, you know, I send you deck list shots a lot. Yeah. I send you unsolicited deck picks all the time, I'm aware. And uh, and I love every single yeah. one. And it just makes your mouth water, just looking at them. So, anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, when I saw that one, Ross is giving me the, uh, the look right now, but he's looking over, he's like drinking a glass of water, but he's giving me the look, and everybody knows what I'm talking about. But yeah, I saw that list and I was like, yo, this is Ross's jam right here. I need to build an arena and try it out. But um, yeah, it's super cheap. It's like all commons yeah. and uncommons. Speaking of arena, I actually stream a little bit myself uh, on Twitch, just at Tan and Grace. Uh, I'll be streaming a little bit of arena. I might start streaming some standards sometime soon. We'll see if that deck's fun. Maybe I'll do it. I'm dreaming a, streaming a little dreaming. Streaming a little bit of uh, limited lately. Um, I got a little aggravated on stream the other day because I was like losing a lot. It always sucks to lose a lot, but. I think I finally figured out this format, Ross, the other day. I think I, I think I finally got it down. I've been winning a lot more. I haven't been great about streaming the last couple of days. I've uh, been a little busy and stuff, but I've been trying to get in, you know, two to four a week. And so I've been getting back to doing that a little bit more. And it's been fun. I will say this. The one thing that sucks is the new music stuff that's going on. And one of the streams, I just said, it fuck it. fucking sucks yeah. so much. And one of the streams, I just said, fuck it, just started playing my music. I was like, I, I want to listen to this. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to just, like, you know, band clipping and do the, those other things and just stream the music. Yeah, again. like, because... Stop stop having my boss. Someone's there. mentioned it every episode. I mean, so, every stream you've had, right? They're always like, man, Yo, yeah. yeah, your playlist is great. Like, people come in because, like, I'm not going to lie. One of the most common comment I got during my streams was, your music's great. You know, they liked my 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 playlist. Or so I was like, cool. I love it, too. I want to listen to it. But instead, I have to listen to, like, some monotonous thing. Like, no, nothing against all the other stuff. But it's like, it's not what I want to do, you know, kind of thing. So, also, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at the Tan and Grace. Uh, I post a lot of stuff on there about things. So, uh, and uh, get ready. Baseball's coming. And there's going to be a lot of that. And hopefully, they actually have a season. We'll see if all that stuff happens. Uh, a lot of stuff going on there. Anyway, not going to talk about that anymore. But, uh... Stuff... Stuff and things. Ross, I like stuff and things. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I just can't hide it. Ross, I hate you. I love you. Uh, I love you all at home as well. And we'll see you all next week.